Well, hello and welcome to Sunday Encore, where we have candid conversations about the practical applications of Sunday's message. We're back for another episode of Sunday Encore, where we like to sit down and talk about the truths of Sunday's message and consider some practical applications for our everyday lives. If this podcast has been a blessing or an encouragement to you personally, I'd love to invite you to share it with someone, subscribe, like it on YouTube, give us a five-star rating wherever you may listen to this podcast. It would greatly help us reach more people with the hope of the message of Jesus, as always. I'm one of your hosts, Spencer, and across the table I have my wonderful co-host, Adam. <laughs> my wonderful co-host. That's me. Yeah. Gotta, that's what my t-shirt says. Wonderful co-host. <laughs> oh, we're here, and we are excited to chat about part two of our brand new series called Outsiders. Yeah, Outsiders. And again, I think it's just a great spin-off or continuation or just allowing a thought of realizing that you know as we work through sola as we work through james which is like works and faith and, and applying our faith and um, realizing that some of us we all have to battle this feeling of not feeling good enough mm-hmm. not feel somehow feeling like sure that sounds great for you yeah because i see you from my perspective you look like you got it all figured out yeah you look like you got all the gifts you look you got all the talents you got the right set of skills me not so much. And so what we do is we retract, we pull ourselves. We don't even, we're not even on the bench. We're just sort of in the bleachers, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, I think, you know, what we're trying to do is like break down the, the, the walls that make us feel like outsiders. Totally. And recognizing that really Jesus came, he pursues, that's, that's the whole, the whole gospel message is that God came to pursue the outsiders. And you read through yeah. the whole gospel says that Jesus often surrounds himself with the outsiders and, you know, pursues those who the, the culture would label as outcasts. Yeah. And so... He's come to but, seek and save the lost. Absolutely. And so, hey, that's all of us. We're all in that category together. And uh, so, you know, as we get invited into that, you know, how are we going to respond? Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah. So it's been it's been good. I, I enjoy the study. Plus, it allows us to do some character studies and to... Totally. You know, dive a little deeper into some of these characters. And uh, obviously, we don't have so much time to really unpack their lives, but it's been... Uh, it's been a fun run. Yeah, super awesome. This week we uh, talked about the story of Moses. Yeah, which was awesome. Yeah, because we're talking about you know that that feeling of not having anything to offer. Right. Right. Like again, we're talking like what's the what's the feeling that makes me feel like an outsider or keeps me on the outside? Is the right. feeling like I don't have anything of value? I don't have anything to actually offer. Right. Totally. And so we pick up in Moses' story. So a little backtrack. Right. Moses is, you know, he was saved from like you know, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, an epidemic where they were canceled. Genocide. genocide. That's what I'm looking for. Um, you know, he was saved, rescued from this genocide, two-year-old boys and under. He was saved from that. Raised by then uh, Pharaoh's daughter, um, you know, and he kind of grew up in as, as a palace. So he grew up knowing he was an Egyptian. I mean, sorry, knowing that he was an Israelite, but growing up in Egypt for 40 years, like 40 years, it's like, Older than you, for sure. Not as old as me yet, but I'm a little bit older than that. But that's like a long time. Yeah. You know, I've just like, and so then he has this moment where he kills an Egyptian taskmaster because he just, you know, he saw 
him brutalizing one of one of his Israelite, you know, an Israelite who he knows he knows he's an Israelite, but he probably doesn't feel or look or act like an Israelite. Well, I wonder how many times he saw that too. Like 100%. Probably hundreds, hundreds. Like again, like he's I, an old dude, and like, probably some of it was, you know, I think he was indoctrinated. If you want to use that term, where he maybe some of it didn't bother him. Yeah, but then. Maybe as he got older, it started to bug him more and more. Right. You know, I think as you get older, you start to reflect more in your life. And mm. maybe he had that moment. I don't know. I mean, scripture doesn't fully give yeah. you that story. So you're kind of something spec- clicked. You're something you're speculating a little yeah. bit, but he sees something that he's moved to action. It's yeah. he can't handle it anymore. And, you know, he provides he does something that obviously maybe maybe wasn't trying to kill him, but it just went too far in his in his attitude. And then he flees. So he's like afraid of his life now. So he frees, flees to the wilderness so now he's not he's not an Egyptian living in Egypt. He's not an Israelite living with his people. He's just an 80-year-old guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a dude who's so confused. Yeah. And he ends up, you know, going to this tribe, meeting this family, marrying a girl and becoming a shepherd and for so for 40 years. So he leaves Egypt at 40, he lives in the desert for 40 years, and this is kind of where we're jumping into his story. Like he's just lost yeah like i can only imagine what an anomaly can you imagine like the the conversations he would have had in his head you know or the conversation would have had with god or trying to identify who he was and what his life was all about and what the purpose of rescuing me from you know genocide as a child was like like all these things right and uh, why would i why was i growing up in egypt like why me and but living and being feeling forgotten feeling overlooked feeling like you have nothing yeah and then he has this moment where he's out watching his father-in-law's sheep and flock, and he's, you know, it comes into this moment where he sees God in the form of a burning bush, and they have this whole encounter of him now going back to Egypt to let his people, which he doesn't, I don't even know how much he identifies as an Israelite at this point, but, you know, to let him go. And he's like, you know, he, he feels like he has nothing to offer. Right. I got, like, who am I? I can't speak right. I'm just, a, like, I'm, an, I'm 80 years old. I'm forgotten. And, and God says, him, what's in your hand? And he says, it's a stick. And so, you know, we have this whole discourse. He throws a stick on the ground. And and finally, Moses has this option where he's like, okay, I'm going to believe that God is going to use me to go back. I can only imagine what that conversation with his wife was like mm-hmm. after that moment. Um, but as he agrees to go back, as he agrees to take the first steps of doing something, not, I don't know if he actually really knew what that was. Like, if we're, if we're honest, like he probably didn't know to the extent. No, yeah, of what not. this was going to look like. You know, this forty-year journey of, you know, walking through the wilderness and you know all the interactions going to have with Pharaoh and what that was going to mean and the implications of this for the rest of his life. I don't, I don't fully, I don't think he fully knew that, but you know, he started back and as he was standing back, um, you know, this simple stick that he found along the way that he uses a shepherd's rod, shepherd's staff. Uh, it says that it became then the staff of God. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just this really cool imagery that, you know, we look at the the insignificant things in our life, because I think every one of us can feel like Moses to some degree where we feel like we don't have really have anything to offer. Mm-hmm. You know, like we feel like we, we feel like we're so lacking. Mm-hmm. We feel like, you know, we, we look at ourselves through the lens of we don't have the same filter that other people see. Like when, when I look at you, you know, I see all your skill sets. I see your talent. I see your charisma, you know, and I, and I can see that through different lenses. But you look at that and you see it through more of a raw, yeah. unfiltered, you know, lack maybe. Maybe like I, I maybe, but I wish I could do it this way or mm-hmm. I wish I was better. Or I wish I was more. 
And I think we all do that, right? And I think Moses had that awesome that moment. I think we all feel this. We look at our stuff, we look at our position, we look at our influence, we look at our plight in society, or you know, and we we don't see what we have. We don't value what we have, mm-hmm. partly because we're we compare so much. But yeah. and uh, but God is saying, if you actually give it to me, it actually what what seems what seems insignificant could actually be significant if you trust me with it. And I think that's just such a really powerful lesson. Like, you know, God has given us opportunity, influence, resources, availabilities, yep. you know, proximities. And we can use those things to be self-serving, which, or we can say, hey, God, you've put me here and you give me these things for a reason. Right. For a purpose. Yeah. Help me see what that is right. and then give me the faith and the obedience to trust you with that. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the one of the lines. I think it was uh, in four twenty, Exodus four twenty, where Moses got up and he got his wife and his kids, he sat them on the donkey and he started. And I just think there's just something powerful about that mm. because when you're starting, you don't know what the next step is, but you're yeah. willing to start. You're willing to take that first step of faith. And I think that's when I'm thinking about this for us. You know, practically, I'm like, well, okay, how could what does that look like for us to just start? What does it look like to totally. do something, to not just do what we've always done? You know, I think as a church too, right? We get this in this routine of just doing church the same way we've always done church. And but I like can actually hear the voice of God and respond to the boast voice of God with faith. Hmm. You know, like he didn't just go back to Egypt on his own accord. He he's following the leadership and the the, the lordship of God. Yeah. But he but he actually had to do something. Like he actually had to pack up his horse, pack up his donkey, pack up his family. Yeah his belongings, and start the journey back yeah. to Egypt. Yeah, and I like how you mentioned a little bit earlier, like he did, he wasn't, you know, fully known to what was going to happen. God told him, you're going to go free the Israelites. I believe he said, you're going to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. That's it. Yeah. That's all he knew. He plagues, didn't know they were going to go through 10 plagues. Didn't know any, like any of that. He just, yeah. he knew he knew his mission. He had, yeah. he had a vision 100%. for what God was going to use him. And with that, he took the first step. In fact, this whole journey, again, Exodus 4, the emphasis is convincing the Israelites to follow him, not on Pharaoh to let his people go. Totally. <laughs> right? 100%. So he's just, he's just like, he, I don't know if God buries a lead on this thing or whatever, but like the he's emphasis. He's like saying they're not going to believe me. They're not going to believe me. Who are, me. They're, he's, they're talking with the Israelites because, again, <laughs> yeah. he's an outsider. Yeah. You know, yes, he's an Israelite by blood, right? He's Jewish by blood. But he was not raised as one of them. Man, they watched him. They watched in him in the palace. Yeah, they saw him be lavished on. He was. He was. He had all the the lavishes and the blessings of being a, a, a prince in Egypt, while they starved and were lab- in labor camps. I always thought, like Moses, why you why you gotta go say no to God like that so many times? I kind of get it. Like that would be very uncomfortable. You know how humbling that would be. Seriously. You know, again, I I think too. Obviously, he would have looked. He was forty years difference, right? So he would have looked different. He would have been older. And but I I think that I think he would have felt. I wonder if the feeling of being like, of uh, of um, embarrassment. Oh yeah. Of just like I can't believe I allowed that to happen. I can't yeah. believe I watched that happen because I like I think he would have known who his brother and sister were. Like when when Aaron and Miriam came on the scene, like they weren't. At least scripture doesn't introduce them as strangers. Like they weren't strangers. Like he actually well, God brings him up. God brings him up, and he says, bush. "Yeah, he says you bring Aaron with you. Let Aaron be your mouthpiece." Like yeah. there's relationship there, but Aaron didn't grow up in the palace. 
Miriam didn't grow up in the palace. Like he yeah. would have known they would have lived among the Israelite people in yeah. a not so pleasant. They would have had labor camp. They would have responsibilities. And here he is. You know, I think there would have been a huge shame. Yeah, that he had to work through. Can only imagine that whole process. But you know, you're talking about outsiders. I think Moses felt like an outsider in Egypt growing up. Seriously. I think he felt like an outsider in Egypt in Israel, like going back as yeah. an Israelite. And that whole staff turning to a snake thing was not for Pharaoh. That was for the people of Israel, right? To recognize that that the God had spoken to him, yeah, and that they could follow him out. You know that, and so there's there's a lot there. Um, you know, we can unpack, but in the context of what we're trying to talk about today, is that I think a lot of times there's a lot of reasons why we don't do anything. Yeah, you know, and we're going to talk about different. You know, throughout this series, we're going to talk about not feeling like we're good enough, or not feeling like we belong, or feeling overlooked, or feeling yeah, like yeah. we're missed unjustly treated like there's a there's a whole nuances and probably moses probably felt all those things if yeah, we're gonna be honest fair enough. um but in the context of this story we're talking about when god asked him what he had in his hand like what have i given you mm-hmm. there's two things that he had one i think he had the stick obviously we knew he had the stick but he also had history with pharaoh right he had relationship with pharaoh he grew up with this new pharaoh and Ramesses, and so um you know so god used those things god used these influence his relationship and he used literally the stick that was in his hand. And I think the question that God asks us when it comes to walking in faith and obedience and what keeps us on the outside and we say, well, we don't have anything to offer. It was, well, what have, what have I given you? Yeah. Like, what have I given you? Absolutely. What, what positions, what influences have I given you? What relationships have I given you? What proximities have I given you? What, what skill sets have I given you? What abilities have I given you? What even tangible things do you have? Do you have an extra room? Do you have a place you can host a small group? Do you have the ability to invite a family over for a cup of coffee or dinner? Like, totally. what do you have in your hand that you can do? It may not be what you think you can do, you know? But what, well, yeah, well, we often, it's so easy just to look at our lives and be like, I don't have anything to offer. And then we just sit, we just sit back. And just and, do our own thing. Yeah. Like, it's not even, this is the thing. We've, we've taken ourselves not just out of the game and putting on the, on the, on the bleachers of the, you know, the, the bench, we put ourselves off the bench and into the bleachers. Yeah. Like we're just watching people play the game. Right. We're not even ready. We're not even ready to play the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I feel right. like God's like, I don't know, get, let's get on the bench. Yeah. Come on, you're getting the game. Take the first step. And then it's like as we train and as we prepare as part of the team, then God gives us opportunity to play in the game, yeah. to, to serve, to be part of it. And I think, I think the church has been immobilized, demobilized, immobilized, immobilized, immobilized for too long. And I think, honestly, if we're going to be honest, I actually believe that's an, a spiritual thing. I think that's that's part of the enemy's scat, uh, tactics of discouraging, you know, just dividing, yeah. you know, disbelieving that we have anything to make a difference. We have, we have nothing to offer. Yeah, I think comfort is one of the biggest killers oh, in yeah. that area. We have so much, right? It's like, how can you have so much and feel you have so little at the same time? Yeah, I think just moved to Canada, and I want. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I wonder oftentimes if we really dig deep into our subconscious, for lack of a better word, like, do we actually think that we don't have something to offer, or do we think that we don't want it to change? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're just so, and I don't think that anyone would actually, or most people would actually communicate it that way. But it's like in my subconscious it's like this is i'm gonna just do me this is comfortable Mm -hmm. which then makes us feel like well you know i don't have anything to offer yeah and i you know as we unpack this thing i'm just thinking off the top of my head so forgive me if i'm speaking heresy here but um when moses 
when when God revealed what Moses when Moses revealed to God what he had in his hand and there was this whole exchange that this is not just a staff but it's a staff of God it didn't become the staff of God until after Moses started yeah 100% like Moses it it actually at least the scripture doesn't say that yeah well it says it started and he took with him the exactly. staff of God yeah, right yeah. in that after. order it was yeah. after but i think for us i think what re, what holds some of us back from offering what God has given us is because they're not willing to pay the price. Mm-hmm. Like Moses had to pack up his family and his kids, mm-hmm. his stuff, and he set up to Egypt. And scripture says he actually never went back. Like he met Jethro in the future, but Jethro came to him. Mm-hmm. So like there was a cost to him saying yes to you be used by God. There was a cost to him offering what he did have, as mm-hmm. little as he had, mm-hmm. to God. And then God said, "Okay, I'm going to use that, but now you got to do something. You got to pack up your stuff and you got to go." Yeah, that's and good. I think for us, like when we look at our, you know, again in the context of our church, let's say small groups. You know, as we gear for the fall, we're talking about small groups again. We want to create space for small groups, and I believe we have people in our church who have the ability to host and facilitate small groups, but they have to see that for one, they have to see that in them, right? And then they have to say yes, and then they have the pay the price of that which is like convenience a night totally a week for a short period of time like whatever that is whatever that cost is right they have to break the routine the rhythm there's a price to pay yeah and i think that's part of the other reason it's not that we don't maybe we don't value what we have though i think i think that's a huge part of it i think some of us underplay yeah, what we have course. but i also think the other side of that maybe the unconscious or the subconscious part of it is that we're not willing to pay the price to say, if we to acknowledge what we have because that mm-hmm. means that we have to do something with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not so sure I want to do something with it because it's going to be, it's going to cost or it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to take time. It's going to mean change. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I don't know what you think about that. No, absolutely. I think it's true. A hundred percent. You have to like, we, we always like to say that we're not sacrificing something, but we're investing. Right. Um, which I think is true, but in, it, there is a cost to what you have to give and it's that's why you give it right it's, it's giving something mm-hmm. up and i don't think you're losing anything i actually think you return much more than you actually give for sure but that being said you do have to give your time you do have to give your space you do have to give up maybe your comfort yeah um but that's an investment that yeah. that is worth making and and i think what we're trying to hit at here today is that you may feel like what you have isn't worth giving. Like maybe not mm. even that you don't have enough, but it's just not worth it. Like there's not a huge return. Moses didn't know what the return was going to be either, but he still counted the cost. He still left and yeah. he started. And our encouragement to everybody listening today is that there is something that you have that God wants to use. Absolutely. Every single one of us. Absolutely. There is something maybe not physical, but our time or our conversations like you, I love that point with Pharaoh, like the connections that you have with somebody, mm-hmm. um, God wants to use those things. Yeah. And I think what we need to just allow ourselves to believe is that what we have to give is actually worth something to God. Yeah. And I think there's something really cool about this thought is that not only God, that, that God can use what you offer him, but is that he wants to use yeah. what you offer hundred percent. Like, he's actually waiting. And again, he's not limiting himself in because he can't do something without you. Right. 
but his desire to do something with you yeah. holds, like, kind of makes him wait. You know, it's what the whole parable of ask, knock, and seek. Like yeah. he's saying, like, I'm available, but I need you to ask for it. Yeah. You know, like, I need you to knock, get hungry for me. Yeah. You know, show a sign of desperation, show a sign of desire. Yeah. You know, um, and I think there's something really beautiful about that. It's like, you know, when, we, when you look through scripture as, as people heard the voice of God, the, the Holy Spirit was speaking to them. God was speaking to them. Maybe you still saw his voice or an inclination or being led to do something. Mm-hmm. I mean, hearing th- something and then doing, that's two different things. And so, you know, you got to hear the voice of God. You got to be led by the Spirit. I believe that. But then you got to do something. Mm-hmm. And as you do something, then you watch God pour out his blessing yeah. as, he, as he responds to your faith and obedience. Absolutely. And so... You know, I, 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 there's even stories, you know, as people take out steps of just leading a small group or, or having a cup of coffee or serving on a team or, you know, as they say yes to something, it's like how that opens up doors for God to reveal himself through opportunities and conversations and oh, relationships. And, yeah, totally. But you don't get those if you don't say yes. You don't yeah. get those if you don't offer what God has given you as a starting point. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think... I think that's, I mean, a testimony for me as I, even me coming here, I mean, I'm sure you could say the same thing. It's like, I felt God was saying, hey, there's an opportunity here Mm -hmm. and I've given you something, you know, I've given you gifts, I've given you experiences, I've given you opportunities, I've I've given you, um, you know, the the ability to to lead and the pastor and to preach. But I had to say yes, Mm -hmm. like I had to agree to it. I had to move my family from Ottawa to come here. I had to mm-hmm. buy a house, and there was a cost to that. There was a sacrifice to that. But because I was able to do that, I've been able to then sit on the other side of seeing well, the other side of the blessing, the other mm-hmm. side of the obedience, and seeing the church grow and seeing new people come to faith and mm-hmm. seeing people find healing and grow in their relationship with Jesus. And then potential what the future looks like as we continue to walk in faith and obedience and say yes to things that we don't really know what's on the other side of that. Yeah. But, we but we're going to start. But we're going to start. Yeah. We're going to, we're just going to keep starting. And as if God keeps putting opportunities in our table, we're going to say, okay, God, if this is of you, we're going to start, even though we are scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to start scared. Yeah. And I think there's something really beautiful about that. Absolutely. Because it keeps us humble. It says, okay, God, we, we will do this, but you got to come. Otherwise we're in trouble. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, but I think there's just something really great about that. And I don't want our, I don't want to be robbed of those moments by being afraid to say yes and to start. Or to say, or to allow myself to be limited to the things that I believe God has given us, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, we got to be faithful with those things too, right? We yeah. got to be, be good stewards of those opportunities, resources, and I think in Canada we have more than we can even understand or imagine. Absolutely, you know, I think living in Concordia, if you live in the Bruce County area, Huron County, man, we have so much. Like mm-hmm. we have so much, and it's beautiful to have those things. And I'm not saying you know we need to live a impoverished life, but it's so much more than just doing it for your own comfort. Yeah, you know. We got it. We got to live for others. We got to serve God others. wants to use you. God wants to use like you. He wants to use. So what's like? What's the practical question that someone could listen to this and be like, "Hey, I want to believe that God wants to use me." Yeah. What do they need to ask themselves to kind of take those steps? To me, I think it just it's 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 really simple. It's what one. What has God given me? Yeah. Like what is in my hand? Like identify that. Like identify. Like yeah. get a journal. Write a book. I mean, not a book. Don't write a book. Get a book. Get a get a piece of paper. And say, what items, you know, physical items do I have? Mm. What influences do I have? What relationships do I have? Yeah. You know, what time do I have? Right. Like, again, like we have a lot of time we just waste and give away, right? So 
Think about those things. Write them down. Identify them. Yeah. I think that's just a great discipline of just identifying the things that you have. If you enjoy encouraging and having a cup of coffee, hey, right, I, I enjoy talking to people. Yeah. I enjoy encouraging people. I enjoy a cup of coffee, and I, I make a good cup of coffee. Maybe I can invite somebody to my house for a cup of coffee. Yeah. You know, and just have spiritual conversations. You know, just write those things down. And then I think it's just presenting those things to God and saying, God, here are things I believe I have. Here's some of the things that you've given me, some opportunities that you've given me, relationships you've given me. How can I use this for you? Yeah. How can how can you use me to serve you in this way? Yeah. And just allow the Holy Spirit to speak from you. And then as he leads you, do it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Like, just start. And it may not be pretty the first time. It may be a little bit awkward, maybe uncomfortable. It's okay. It's, it's good for you. It's good for you. It'll stretch you. <laughs> It's like going to the gym for the first time. No one ever likes the first time they go to the gym. Yeah. Ever. Or the 10th time. <laughs> you know, it's uncomfortable because you're doing things you're not used to doing. Right. You're stretching muscles you're not used to stretching. And um, and so I think for me, it's just like, uh, how do I identify it? And then how do I submit it to God? And then how do I trust and obey? How do mm-hmm. I just start? Yeah. Absolutely. And then see where God leads that. Yeah. You know, I think to see where God, and the truth is, I think if we're going to be honest, most of us, we just have to cut the excuses because if we're honest, most of us probably already know what we should do with what God has given us. We just got to cut the excuses. Yeah. We just got, we just, we're just, just too it. good at making excuses for yeah. it. And, uh, and I can, Moses could have made the same excuse. Hey, I'm 80. Well, he tried. Remember I can't speak. Dude. <laughs> I'm old. He tried so many <laughs> he times. Tried so hard. He right? literally shut God down in a unquenchable burning <laughs> bush. Like literally five times. I said, no, you got the wrong. Pardon your servant. No, pardon your servant. No. And I read that. I'm like, Moses guy, come on. (laughs) But you know, and we do this right. And and it's only by God's grace that he keeps on giving us an opportunity. But you know, I, I I remember someone saying this, like God wants to do something. And if he's not going to do it through you, he'll do it through somebody else. But man, what a dis- what a disappointment that would be to go yeah. to heaven and know we missed out of the moment because we made some lame excuse. Yeah, you know. And anyway, so again, I don't want to point fingers and saying this is what you have to do, but I do believe. No, but and even in the story of Moses, if I could just apply it quick, like God, yeah, a hundred percent, I totally agree with that principle, and it's biblical. But there are things that God wants you to do, like you as the individual, that somebody else can't do. Yeah. Like there's a 10% that only you can do. I agree because it's the unique gift set, personality, and opportunity, proximity, influence. Like all of these things are working together Yeah. for God. Like again, you were created on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. Yeah. Don't miss it. Yeah. Don't miss it. Like God got to the point where he was angry. Like scripture says that his anger burned against Moses, yet he was still gracious enough to uh, and allow and trust him to do that yeah. thing. And then he's like, he kind of like, you know, fine, we'll send your brother with you. Yeah, totally. That wasn't my plan, 100%, but we'll do it. <laughs> You're killing me, Moses. <laughs> Love the guy. Go get your brother. Go yeah. get your older brother. Yeah. You know, oh, anyway. That's amazing. Yeah, God wants to use you. Yeah. Don't, don't allow your feeling of lack or in- inadequacy to withhold you, to keep you on the outside. Yeah. Stay stay off the game. Stay out of the game. Absolutely. Get in the game. Yeah. That's great. You've got something to offer. Yeah. 
Give it to God. Yeah. Allow God to turn what you seem, what is seemingly insignificant to something significant and special. Absolutely. As you trust him with it. Yeah, that's very good. I love it. Well, thanks for joining us for Sunday Encore. We pray this sparks Jesus-centered conversations in your home or small group as you continue to grow in an overflowing relationship with Jesus. 